Global Bob Show, I hope, will be the crossroad of politics and technology. Now, whether I want to admit it or not, I was set on a course for podcasting well before I even realized it. Whenever I was a little kid, my brother and I got a Commodore 64, no hard drive or anything like that. And I think we uh, got it because we did some chores around the house or something. And my brother really wanted it. He was older than me. He was in sixth grade, and I was about in kindergarten. And my dad bought us the computer, and I remember we had a friend that lived across the street, and he could fix just about anything. So one day, my brother was across the street, and our friend Scooter was working on the three-wheeler. So my parents have a very, very long driveway. And so I crank up the Commodore. I'm staring at the screen. I knew something had to be typed on it to get it to load. Whatever I typed, it didn't work. So I got on my bicycle, I rode down to the end of my parents' driveway, holler across the street, Bob Vanna, Bob Vanna. That's the way I talked back then. I don't think I really knew my brother's real name until he checked me out of school one time. I don't know, I just called him Bob Varner. But anyways, I say, how do you load up the computer? And he hollers back this long command. I can remember it all the way to this day. Load, quote, star, quote, comma, eight, comma, n, comma, one, return. Now, for those that have never experienced those types of computers, that was the basic command that would load the program. So I get on my bicycle, I ride all the way down the driveway, go inside the house, type in what I thought was the command, and nothing. The dreaded syntax error. Get on my bicycle, head down to the end of the driveway, holler across. By this time, he's getting really annoyed. So he comes out of Scooter's house and he hollers back the command again. I get on my bicycle, go back to the house, type it in, and lo and behold, it starts up. And to me, I was addicted. Now, my brother, he wanted to play around with the computer because he wanted to play games. Me, The real magic came whenever I was able to type out part of my family tree and save it to a disc. And I just thought it was amazing that you could actually do that. And so I was hooked. All throughout uh, middle school and high school, I was a closet nerd. I did not excel in school whatsoever. So I tell a lot of folks that, you know, you don't have to be a super straight A student to go off and, and do what I've done. I remember being in detention class in seventh grade and writing uh, quick basic code in detention. So I've always embraced technology. I've had CB radios whenever I was younger, and myself and my cousin and my best friend, we would talk. Uh, Before there were cell phones, we'd use the CB radio, so that was my first taste of radio. Then it was time to graduate high school. Barely graduated high school, you know, and... My dad put me out in the field of his electrical company digging ditches. I didn't want to go to college. I thought it was a waste of time. Well, that summer after I graduated, that was my first taste of, I don't want to work outside. I don't mind it, 
But uh, I needed to do something else. So after that summer, I enrolled in the uh, community college, passed that, get my AA degree. And here's some irony. I went to the same college, Florida Southern College, that I was digging ditches at. And now I'm enrolled as a student in their computer science program. Met some wonderful people along the way. Had a wonderful mentor as a teacher who really set me on the right track. Left out of there, got the master's degree, left out of there, and went to work for the government. Went from the government to the private sector, and here I am. Here's the podcast. So I've talked into microphones quite a bit. I am an amateur radio operator, and I'm also a political science hobbyist. And I love listening to the news. I listen to both sides of the news, the left, the right, the middle, the conspiracy theories. And that's what I tell everybody. You know, when you tune into the news and you listen to people talk, you don't have to listen to what they say word for word and take it word for word. You listen to their general message and then you form your own opinion. Fast forward to a few weeks ago. My cousin, Joshua Johnson, who has been a lifelong friend of mine, invited me to be on his new podcast. It is Joshua Johnson Makes a Podcast. I went to the studio. I put on the headphones. I get in front of the microphone. We go and start recording. And I instantly felt like I was in my happy place. This is where I belong. And so here we are, the Global Bob Show. Now, just full transparency, I have talked in front of very large crowds in the realm of cybersecurity. I've also been in various uh, media outlets. You can go to globalbob.org. It's kind of like a personal website for resume type stuff and see some of the things I've been involved with, much of which we will bring out uh, during these series of podcasts, and I really hope that I can find my groove, get my listener base up, because a lot of folks tell me, Ryan, you have a story to tell. We love it when you give your analogies and educate us. And conversely, I love being educated. I have some of the smartest people that I work with, highly talented, highly motivated, and they educate me as much as I educate them. So as they say, never stop learning. Now, we all know what's going on in the world, and if you're listening to this a few years from now or a few days from now, probably it's going to be a few years from now uh, when people, if they do forget what's going on, we got a lot of stuff going on in the world and the geopolitical realm. We have, of course, Russia has invaded the Ukraine. Now we're seeing some various crosstalks between Iran and Russia, and we see the Chinese and the Russians. So it's kind of this whole thing that's brewing. Now, in today's world, we're seeing that bits and bytes information is just as deadly and just as important as bombs and bullets. And in this era, to me, this is the first time that I've seen a coordination like none before. The Ukrainian IT army has went to Telegram to coordinate citizen cyber soldiers to help in their cause. So I'm getting a lot of uh, information from their underground chat channels. But moreover, I'm having ordinary citizens uh, 
that I would not think would even care about cybersecurity call me and say, hey, how can I get involved with this? I see on the news that there's these denial of service attacks and all I got to do is download this program at home and I can help the Ukrainian cause. And so I felt like I keep telling the story over and over and over to these folks that call that you want to go out and help them, but you got to realize what the ramifications are of your help. So what I tried to explain to folks is, yes, I wish I could get involved and help too. So what I decided to do is to really start this podcast. So I researched the show. I've kind of had the Global Bob brand. That's what my friends call me more about how I got the name Global Bob. And I thought of everything of how can I help? And so instead of just having my close friends and confidants get a hold of me, I figured that I would put out this podcast to get my message out, but there's a lot of other stuff that we will talk about. I want to hone it in on technology and politics and how the two are starting to become more and more closely aligned as each day goes by. So, where do we start? You've probably seen on the news where... The Ukrainians have taken down this service in Russia. They've taken down this uh, company's website that uh, is uh, refusing to pull out of Russia and stuff. And so how are they doing this? They're doing this through a method called a denial of service attack. Now, we could parse words back and forth. I usually don't say attack. Because uh, to me, a denial of service is more of a hindrance. It's not so much an attack. Uh, now, people can argue with me back and forth, and that's fine. I love uh, opinion. And so if you have anything that you want to share with me, you can email me at globalbobshow at gmail.com or follow me at globalbobshow on Twitter. And I will try to uh, evaluate your opinion and mesh it with mine. And who knows, maybe you change my mind. So what is a denial of service? A denial of service is just exactly what it says. You're denying the legitimate use of an internet service in this case. So what is a denial of service? Think of it this way. You have a store that people need to go by that store and get gas. So you don't want the people to get gas, the legitimate people of that that store, that gas station. So you tell everybody in town, you text them, you call them all this stuff and say, hey, they're giving away free beer at at the gas station. Well, everybody tries to get to the gas station all at once and the roads can't handle it. The parking lot can't handle it. They can't ring up the people fast enough. And so the people that are trying to get gas from that gas station, they are denied the service. So that's a denial of service. Basically, what they're doing is, is getting everybody around the world to go to these websites all at once or these IP addresses all at once. We'll talk more about that later. You always go to an IP address, not necessarily the domain. The domain, when you go to it, it tells your computer the IP address. More about all of this later. We'll unpack all of these topics and bring it to you in a very easy way to understand. 
So if they wanted to take down name your Russian site, russiangovernment.ru, well, computers from all around the world are going to that site over and over and over and over and over. So when the legitimate people need to go to that site, then they can't get there. So therefore, in a essence, that site is completely taken down. That's called a denial of service. If you got one person that has enough bandwidth or enough internet speed is what some people refer to it as, then they can cause a denial of service. But if they don't have enough, they need to get all their buddies involved, right? Back to the gas station analogy. If I park an 18-wheeler in front of the road that goes to the gas station, then I myself have caused that denial of service. But let's say I don't have an 18-wheeler. So I'm going to get all my friends to go to that store. That's called a distributed denial of service. So what we're really seeing is is a distributed denial of service or a DDoS going on to all these various sites. And so therefore, they're rendering, rendering them useless. Sounds good, right? What's the harm in that? Let's just, everybody, come on, let's all go. Let's shut the Russian sites down. But you really don't want to do that, especially as an American. We have laws against this. Just because it's in Russia, just because the Russians are bad people, which I wholeheartedly believe 100% that it's the Russian government that's bad, not the Russian people, unless they're involved, you know, helping the Russian government. But moreover, it's illegal. The FBI can come and arrest you, bring charges against you. But what you got to realize is, is that there may be other clandestine operations that are going on. And so us as a noble cause is shutting down those Russian government sites, but there may be our brothers and sisters that work for the Department of Defense that are using those computer systems to launch follow-on attacks and things like that and for intelligence gathering. So a bunch of vigilantes like us really just kind of need to set back and let the professionals handle it. But moreover, you got to be careful that you don't violate U.S. laws, no matter what the cause is. Case in point, we are all U.S. citizens. We can be in another country and we will still be subject to U.S. laws. Just because you're in international waters doesn't mean that you get to, you know, hurt somebody. So one place I'd like to go And a topic I'd like to unpack and put some definition around for my listeners is the Internet. Whenever I say the Internet, a lot of times people don't realize that the Internet is not owned by one person, one entity, one government, one company. The Internet is a collection of companies that and governments that interconnect. So you're internet service provider or ISP may be some of the ones we hear that are common like Frontier, Verizon, Google Fiber. Those are your internet service providers. They provide you an on-ramp onto the internet, but they don't have, let's say, servers that you connect to. So when you go to, say, Facebook, Twitter, or any other website, that website is hosted on a 
portion of the internet called an ASN, which is an autonomous system. So each person on the internet is assigned an IP address. That is kind of like your address. So when you send things on the internet to say Facebook, Facebook sends your information back to you, the IP address, and it gets delivered all the way down to your computer. But if these agreements weren't in place, Verizon doesn't have Facebook servers sitting on their network. I'm oversimplifying all of this, so please, everyone, uh, don't send me a bunch of flaming email telling me that I don't understand how the Internet works. I'm trying to keep this in such a way that my mom and other folks can understand it. So it's a collection of agreements. And like I said, they're all autonomous systems out on the Internet. So back to the Ukrainian reference. If you want to help out Ukraine and you want to start one of these uh, denial of service uh, operations, so you download the little script, you don't know what you're doing, you double click it, and you're going to generate a lot of traffic. You're probably going to max out your service level agreement. A service level agreement is the contractual agreement between your ISP and you that says this is the volume of information that will be delivered. So let's say for lack of simple terms, you have a 100 meg service. That means if you max out your service, you're going to be putting a 100 megabits per second onto the internet, and it's going to be headed to the uh, Russian government site. Now, you max out your 100 megabits, then when your wife is watching TV or your kids are trying to do homework, they're going to complain and say, hey, the internet's not loading. Well, that's because you're maxing it out. So that Verizon ISP has to handle 100 megabits of traffic that's just being generated 24-7, to the next hop. That next hop is outside of their network that is one of the global providers, some of the big ones, NTT, GTT. Now, if everybody on the Verizon network does that, it maxes it out, it maxes out Verizon, and it goes all the way there. So what you have to realize is, is that you could be causing a lot of trouble for your internet service provider and they may give you a phone call. you got to remember what you're doing uh, could be illegal. And it's causing all this undue traffic. It's almost like leaving your car running when you're in the grocery store, right? I mean, in that case, you're using up your gas. But you're also, you know, it's unnecessary resources being used. So when you think about the Internet, it's one of these things where there's a lot of agreements between these different providers to get your traffic all the way across the ocean through those transatlantic cables. So, if you're downloading an application to your computer that is going to perform these types of operations, you probably don't know how to read code if it's a compiled application, which means, you know, you write it and it looks like uh, English a little bit on your computer screen, but when it's compiled, it's actually bits and bytes, right? Actually, it goes all the way down to ones and zeros. And that is the computer language that uh, computers understand. But this is the main thing that you got to think about.
you don't know what that application on your computer really does. I mean, you can, if you're like me, do forensics on it and you're monitoring your network traffic and stuff, but you really don't know. So let me put this in front of you, this scenario. Who's to say that this is not an orchestrated event by the Russian uh, intelligence services? Maybe they have released this code out, and when you run the code, it really does attack the Russian sites somewhat. But maybe there's a little bit of the code that also attacks Ukrainian sites or U.S. government sites. And so you don't know what the code actually does. Now, without getting too far into the weeds, which I do know a little bit about cybersecurity, is, is that a lot of times the code can be updated remotely. This means the person that put the code together can also send an update or what we would like to call maybe a Trojan horse. And so the first time you download it and you're inside the chat channels and they say download this code and double click it and do your civic duty as a global citizen. And they say, wow, look, this has taken down Russian sites. But what if that code can be updated remotely to then turn it on to the U.S. government or maybe any of the other uh, NATO countries. So what you want to do is make sure 100% that if you want to dabble in this, which I do not recommend, the official statement from the Global Bob Show is leave this to the professionals, is make sure that the code w does what it says that it's supposed to do and maybe monitor your traffic and stuff like that. And so you just got to be careful from the uh, Trojan horse effect that could happen. And so don't download it onto your phone. I'm actually seeing some, which is really, you know, mostly in the, actually they're all in the Android space, is um, applications that you can download to use your extra data to DOS, these uh, Russian sites. Well, that's all well and good if you're at your house and you're using your ISP uh I'm not recommending that, but what happens when you put your phone in your pocket and this is still running in the background? Now you're using your data on your T-Mobile network and all of that. So the moral of the story is bringing it all together. I realize people want to get involved. People feel like this is something simple they can do. They can download this code. They can run this, this code on their computer and they're going to help the Ukrainian people. What I say is don't do it. And the best way to help the Ukrainian people is call your congressmen, call your legislators, and post on Facebook and social media. Post your support for these folks. And just know that they need us more on the support realm to keep it alive, to keep everybody interested in it. I mean, we all have short memories. I know that, you know, we're going on almost three weeks now. And so after about week number six, seven or eight, it's going to be, oh, so we're still involved over there. Just like my passion, we'll talk about a lot of this later, is the Cuban people. We've been dealing with that as, a, as Floridians. It's been in our spotlight, but I feel like, you know, we only get involved and in, in, in stuff when the spotlight is shined on it. But we got to keep it in the forefront. The folks of Ukraine need our support. 
you can get out on Facebook, Twitter, social media, and just keep the word alive and just know that if you can donate to folks like the Red Cross and other um, NGOs, non-government organizations, please do what you can to help. And with that, I hope to see you at the next installment of the Global Bob Show. We got through it. The inaugural show is over. Please tell your friends, family, subscribe. I promise, I promise to keep this at a very high level where everybody can understand it. And as always, give me feedback at Global Bob Show on Twitter, www.globalbobshow.com. Also, globalbobshow at gmail.com. Stay safe. I'll see you next week. We'll be right back.